Hello everyone, I'm your host, Brandy Williamson. I don't know about y'all, but I'm so over fluff and fakeness. After I gave birth, I searched for podcasts to help me navigate this new season of life and felt like there was none, only people trying to sell me something every five seconds or like the podcast was junk food for my ears, not helping me improve over time. My heart for this podcast is to provide you refreshingly authentic, meaningful information that you can apply on your own journey of motherhood. So welcome back to Mom Material. How do you know you've mastered something? The simplest answer is it becomes automatic. You do the task, performance, routine, or exercise basically on autopilot. Although professional athletes and famous musicians get paid the big bucks for mastery, I'd argue it matters more for moms to understand how to master our environment on a daily basis. Mastery as a mother matters greatly because in every other arena, we are replaceable. As I was deciding if I really should give up my job to stay home with our son after his birth, I heard someone say the only place you're not replaceable is in your home. Your kids have only one mother. Your husband only has one wife. These are the people that need you at your best and still love you when you're not. What I'm not saying is we're working for some cookie cutter Stepford wife model of success. Ugh, heck no. However, I do believe we have the option to make 1% improvements each day, and if we do that over the course of a year, according to James Clear, New York Times best-selling author of Atomic Habits, mathematically, that ends up making us 37% better. I must mention that the same is true for the opposite. If we're not growing, we're getting worse or at most maintaining. And if we let bad habits rule our day, mathematically, we get 0% better. Similarly, till the last episode, when I used the analogy of my marriage being a mirror, I believe that children also metaphorically function as one as well. Ever since we found out we were having a baby, Isaac's presence has changed my life. While I was pregnant, I changed what I ate. I stopped drinking margaritas. I had less coffee. He changed how I worked out. I thought about what was in our home and really everything that we consumed differently. As he's grown over the past several months, he's helped given me the opportunity to see my life with fresh eyes. I've had habits exposed I didn't even know I did or didn't think they were unproductive until now. He gives me the chance to get better at love, sacrifice, and responsibility. Or he helps reveal the negative parts of me like impatience, irritability, and frustration. So how do we continually show up as the best version of ourselves to the people that matter most to us? How do we master our household in the midst of everything else that's going on in our lives? First, let's understand habits. Tiny behaviors and decisions that we make each day are called habits. The more regularly we perform a habit, the more ingrained it is, meaning we do it almost without thinking. 
Instead of referring to habits as good or bad, from now on, let's categorize them as productive, unproductive, or neutral. Habits are effective at saving us energy and brain power because we have performed them so routinely, it becomes second nature, automatic. They give us the reward we crave, even if that reward gets less potent over time and is actually detracting from our health, well-being, and values, like with unproductive habits. Ingrained habits, productive or unproductive or neutral, are very difficult to uproot leaving people in the same old situation resolution after resolution so how is it that it seems like everyone around us is killing the game running like three successful businesses with five kids finishing a marathon before the time i wake up this sounds not helpful but they just decide to do it and do it again and again and again Let's look at this because I'm even fighting myself writing that because I'm thinking of all the times I struggled with completing goals I set for myself. Then a week or two just drop off like it's nothing and it never even happened and all that effort was wasted. Goals are desired results you want and you try to plan and take action to achieve them. They give you a sense of direction to the place you want to end up. I'm competitive, ambitious, and goal-oriented, but I have plenty of unaccomplished goals. So what's the deal? What's wrong with me? The week after Thanksgiving was the wake-up call I needed that helped me realize the way I was going about achieving my goals was in fact not propelling me closer to them. My goals were to love my family and friends well, work out daily, and have success in my business endeavors, making steps each day to try to complete these things, but feeling like I was more reactive than proactive. I almost feel redundant in talking about values so much lately, but they really are so crucial for the 1% improvements each day. In his book, James Clear notes that so many people approach changing their behavior the wrong way. Like me, most people start with the goal or the outcome, then go into the process or system, finally leaving them with the type of person they wanted to become. However, this outcome-based habit change is not sticky enough. Anyone who has struggled with addiction knows that sheer self-control only goes so far. Instead, a way to establish productive habits is to start with your identity and values. You have to start with who you are first and who you want to be. In Atomic Habits, James Clear prompts readers to ask themselves some of the following questions when addressing identity change. What do you stand for? What are your principles and values? What do you wish to become? And who is the type of person that could get the outcome I want? These questions provide intrinsic motivation and over time you associate your decisions based on the person you are, not the situation you're in. I think this happens a lot in our culture and it's so easy to see this play out when you're looking at something negative. For example, I hear people say all the time, I'm just an anxious person. The thing you tie your identity to starts to become confirmed in the way you live your life. Another example is someone who has maybe stopped drinking because they want to stop the cycle of addiction in their family and show up for their children because their parents didn't show up for them. When asked if they want to drink, they respond, I'm not a drinker. It's so much more effective to say that than, no, I really shouldn't. I'm trying to quit. 
becoming a parent is one of those force functioners that demands an identity response. So I like to ask, what do I want to be for my children? What kind of wife do I want to be for my husband? Start there, then work your way out. My mother-in-law sent me this book she thought I'd like and felt like it would be helpful before Isaac starts walking around. It's called M-O-M, Master Organizer of Mayhem by Christy Clover. I devoured the book and sent her a thank you text, which she later was so happy to receive because she, (laughs) she was like, oh my gosh, I was really hoping that you didn't think that I was commenting on your cleaning, but really it was what I seriously needed at the time. In the book, Christy Clover, a homeschooling mother of five, provides organizational solutions that help provide you and your family more joy. She's going through her values, which are really similar to mine, faith, family, friends, and she's like, look, in order to have an organized household, you first have to figure out what your values are and align that to what you do. Also, if something isn't working, it's because there's a problem in your system. As I find myself working my way from my identity, I realize it's not about goal setting as much as it's about having a productive system that can help you master your environment, which results in more time and relational currency for your values. In sport and performance psychology, we take people through imagery scripts based on their upcoming performance. Visualization serves multiple purposes. It gives you a mental repetition at the thing you're about to do actually activates muscle movement. So like a lot of injured athletes can use this technique to help them recover and helps you conceptualize what to do when the time actually comes. I found it super interesting that in her book, Chrissy Clover states her values and then tells the readers to go into every room of the house, visualizing what you'd like the room to be like, praying about how God might have you cultivate these spaces Creating and sustaining systems comes down to structuring your environment in a way that enhances your likelihood of productive habits and fuels your desired values. Think about your own system. Is it as efficient as it can be? Does it help you prioritize what you value? Or is it lacking in areas? What might these areas be for you? For me, my system was most certainly not working, so I started tweaking a couple aspects. I've addressed these changes in earlier episodes, like ending procrastination, getting up early in the morning, I'm talking like 4.30 early, rethinking how I tackle tasks, and now I'm honing in on structuring my environment for success. Anyone who's trying to eat healthier or lose weight probably has been completely derailed after their husband brings home free cupcakes left in the break room after a Christmas work party. You didn't even know you liked mint pistachio cupcakes, but ended eating up like three of them in a row, like a maniac. Just me? So let's start with the place we all go to, the space we call home. One of the strategies to habit formation by James Clear in Atomic Habits is to simply make it obvious. Cues are what trigger a craving within us that then drives us to respond cognitively or physically to get the reward we want. During the seven-step goal-setting process I used to teach military personnel, we would tell them to create an environment where they are tripping over their goals all of the time. I hate taking prenatals because they're like massive, nasty vitamin bombs. 
so I can easily, air quotes, accidentally forget to take them. However, if I place them next to the coffee maker, then I'll be sure to find them. You can design your home in a way that you are more likely to do the thing you want to do instead of the bad habit that you're used to doing. Let's look at our houses. What is your vision for each room? How do you want to interact in that space? Design your house to train yourself to associate a certain habit with that space. I had a terrible habit of staying on my phone in bed, watching silly YouTube videos on literally the most random, irrelevant things. Then I'd look at the clock and it was like 11 p.m. Maybe in my single days that would have worked out all right. But having a child now, I don't just get to lay down any old time I want to. So what I do now is I charge my phone on the floor across the room so I'm less tempted to pick it up and start scrolling and associate the bed for a place of rest, triggering my body to fall asleep way faster. Something I found interesting in Atomic Habits is that it states new environments create fresh opportunities for new habits. If you're in the military or a military spouse, consider it a net gain to be able to move more frequently because you actually have more opportunity to establish new routine and behaviors way quicker. I love this concept as it relates to mastering your house because there's so much about moving that is stressful and uncomfortable, but this is a win and I'll definitely take that with me to the next location we go. Just like in her book, Christy Clover talks about everything needing its own place. The same applies to habits. By creating a home environment that streamlines predictability, you'll be able to enter into those characteristics of peak performance like heightened attention way quicker than before. For me, this looks like plopping my tushy on a less comfortable chair in our office room to do research and business work instead of flopping on the couch with my laptop. I want the living room to be a space where we are fully present with each other, and I can't do that engrossed on my computer. It worked out for me because I get much more done in our smaller office, and it's like my mind is pre-prepared, so when I sit down at the desk, I don't need a warm-up lap. I just go to work. Lastly, as we create environments for mastery in our own homes, think about what distracts you and what takes you away from creating productive habits. What is something that you might not have a good relationship with in each room? When I moved to Texas a couple years ago, I would come home and flop on the couch, almost instinctively get out the remote and start mindlessly scrolling Netflix for something to watch. I did this so many times. It became something I just did once I came home from work. While I was praying, it felt like God told me that I was becoming too addicted to television and that I needed to fast from it. The initial couple of days were so sad and excruciating, so to help pass the time, I was more likely to actually make plans with friends or go work out. I read a lot more, and I spent more time connecting with family back home. It wasn't until a coworker asked me what I've been binge-watching. I racked my brain, and I was like, um, nothing? I had not watched TV in such a long time, and what was crazier was I didn't even have the desire to anymore. What I didn't know was that at the same time next year, I'd meet my future husband. So after seven months of knowing each other, we got engaged, and three months after that, we were married. We watch the occasional documentary, but we still keep the TV off the majority of nights in order to make the most of our time together with our baby and our friends. 
Mastering your environment to create productive and meaningful habits doesn't just benefit you now, but pays unknown dividends in the future. Thanks for listening.